time for the Tech Mobility Show with Ken Chester. Ken is a veteran journalist who doesn't always color between the lines. So, here he is, the host with the electrified personality, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to the Tech Mobility Show, formerly known as Roadworthy Drive, the program for mobility and technology news, information, and perspective. I'm Ken Chester. On tap for this episode... A review of the elegant Lexus LS500H sedan for topic A. Well, topic B takes a look at tracking public health through sewage. No joke, really. Topic C brings the news from normal. That's Illinois. A Rivian automotive update. We've talked about Tesla. I thought it was about time you met one of its competitors and talk a little bit where they are and how they're changing to adapt to a marketplace that isn't always what they expected. To add your voice to the conversation, call or text the Tech Mobility Hotline, that number, 872-222-9793, or you can email the show, talk at techmobility.show, and that's talk at techmobility.show, and I want to add this. You may not realize it, but like everybody else these days, we are all over social media. And if you miss an episode of the Tech Mobility Show, you can certainly hear it again wherever you podcast. We are on so many platforms, from Apple to iHeart to Pandora, believe it or not, Audible, Good Pods. We are in all those places. And because I got you like that, not one, but two different RSS streams. We have the one, which is the Tech Mobility Show itself, which is basically a re-broadcast uh, on the podcast of the whole show. For those of you who are interested in hearing, again, a specific topic, we have Tech Mobility Topics, which is another podcast which is segment-based by topic so that you don't need to listen to the whole show if it was just one topic you wanted to hear again or hear for the first time or share with somebody. So we got you like that. And like I said, we're everywhere. That's TikTok, YouTube. We have our own channel, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, I usually leave some stuff out, but we're there, LinkedIn even. Please be sure to visit where we're at, like us, and please subscribe. And I'm asking that specifically for Twitter and our YouTube and our TikTok channels. It would really help, and thank you in advance for supporting the show. From the Tech Mobility News Desk, want to talk about friend of the show, people that had loved us, we love them back, and that's Kia. Kia is coming out with a large EV SUV. We've seen prototypes of this in recent years. And it's different looking a little bit, but not totally strange looking. And they call it the EV9. Bear in mind, they've made a lot of waves with their EV6. And particularly, you might recall the EV6 GT that beat some boutique, high-performance Italian brands. And I'm saying, yes, I'm calling Lamborghini by name. And Maserati, I believe, was the other one. And outran them. Let that sink in. An electric vehicle. Certainly was nobody's golf cart, just so you know. Kia has announced that next year, they will be building a new, key there, three-row EV9 at their plant in West Point, Georgia. And it's the same plant where their gasoline Telluride is assembled. And that plant is so advanced, 
When it opened, the History Channel actually did a segment on the plant. Think about how many car manufacturers that they've done ever. They did one in, about Kia. Now they're going to come with a three-row EV9. And I'm, I'm excited. I'll tell you why. Typically, for internal combustion engine vehicles, because you're dealing with running gear and you're dealing with the uh, rear hub and rear-wheel drive and all that stuff, getting into the third row, unless it is a full-size SUV, is more hope from the automaker than fact. There's a lot of automakers that build a three-row EV. I'm sorry, a three-row SUV. <laughs> but you wouldn't put anybody in that third row. So I'm real excited. This is going to work. Tell you why. Flat floor. Let's start there because you're you're basically the batteries serve as the floor. So all the stuff that typically gets in the way won't be an issue with the EV9. And the fact that Kia is making such inroads. Kia is part of Hyundai Group, along with Genesis and Hyundai, had committed together $87 billion for EVs in the next seven years. They're not playing, folks. So this is going to be awesome. Now, they introduced the EV9 at the New York Auto Show, which was last month. It's going to be the flagship model for, e, for Kia's global transition to EV technology, and it follows the U.S. launch of the two-row we talked about, the EV6. Let me quote the CEO of Kia North America. The EV9 is a credible, high-value SUV that encapsulates our approach to bringing innovative, consumer-focused products to market with a serious commitment to electrification. Let me quote those last four words. Serious commitment to electrification. Automakers are either getting with the program or they're not. Kia says that the big EV offers premium accommodations rivaling ultra-luxury SUVs with a dual-display cockpit that includes multiple camera feeds for tech-hungry buyers. They're aiming this at young folk this uh, and tech-aware older folk because I want to leave the older folk out. It's going to come in six-seat and seven-seat configurations. And like the gasoline-powered three-road Telluride that launched back in 2019 to critical acclaim and booming sales, and it was awesome, still is awesome, the EV9 offers utility vehicle features such as significant towing capacity with luxury touches such as swiveling captain's chairs with heating and ventilation. The EV9, and this is not a surprise, has similar dimensions to the Telluride, including nearly Eight inches of ground clearance. Here's why that's important. Your batteries are sitting underneath you. If you've got eight inches of ground clearance, they set and did some study so that going to an EV will not penalize your ability to drive this thing practically anywhere. The EV9 is scheduled to launch in the United States in the fourth quarter of this year, which means they're in the middle of tooling now with imported vehicles from South Korea. That makes sense. They start the process at home, perfect it, and get it to the United States. It is expected to be assembled in West Point, Georgia, beginning in 2024, making it the first Kia EV to be assembled locally. Guess why? The advantage of local assembly is that the EV9 could be eligible for the federal EV tax incentive of up to $7,500. 
Under last year's Inflation Reduction Act, only vehicles made in North America that also meet battery sourcing requirements are eligible for the incentive. There's also a price cap of $80,000 for crossovers, and Kia did not announce EV9 pricing. If they're going to get it, it means that at least one or two trim levels of the EV9 will go for less than that. And that is going to be a deal. And why Kia is able to do it? If you've experienced the Telluride, it was in the mid-40s and worth every penny and could beat vehicles costing 10 to 15 grand more. So they've got a they've got a bead on cost. They've got a bead on price. They know where they're going with this. And I would not be surprised to see an EV9 decently equipped coming in at maybe between 62.5 and 67.5, which would be priced when you measure it against the market, again, 10 to 20 grand below its competitors, easily for the value that you get. And with build quality being what it is. It would be nothing but another success, and the dealers would be happy. Up till the launch of the Telluride, much the same way most people didn't believe that the Japanese could, and then now the Koreans, can make the leap into the luxury market, the Telluride for an SUV marked an important shift for Kia into the large crossover market, offering high-quality interior, attractive styling, solid performance, and get this, people, a reasonable price. The 2023 base model, and we're talking about the Telluride, starts at $37,255, and top trim starts at just over $54,000. That is the middle. That is the sweet spot of the market. There are a lot of compact SUVs that go for more money than that, and I'm not talking high-end. And this is a larger SUV. The EV9 is likely to carry a higher sticker price than the Telluride. Yep. Since the two-row EV6 starts at 50000 with shipping, electric vehicles generally carry higher prices. Manufacturers spend billions in new technologies. Yeah, you got to get that investment back. But I'm telling you, I expect this thing when it comes out will be in the mid-60s. You'll have a high end that may go for over 80, but the sweet spot, most of them, what they're going to sell, and they will order banks will be filled, I kid you not, will be probably in the mid-60s. It may start in the high 50s and max out in the low 80s. I totally believe that that will be the case with the EV9, and I can hardly wait to get my hands on one. Contrary to public belief, luxury sedans still exist better than ever. You're listening to The Tech Mobility Show. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, 
I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. for yourself. Get in. Only Cherokee gives you a choice of two or four doors. Only Cherokee has room for five and more cargo space than Bronco or Blazer. And with Cherokee's 2.5 liter power plant, you can get a sunroof at no extra cost. Now you can have all this only in a Jeep. The iconic automotive brand started in 1989 with one very well-appointed model. That one sedan began a dynasty that turned an automotive luxury on its ear, changed the way automotive manufacturers retail late model used cars, and elbowed its way into an old boys club that had long been dominated by Cadillac and Lincoln domestically, and Mercedes, BMW, and Jaguar globally. The brand was Lexus, and that one full-size luxury car was the 1989 Lexus LS400. And I remember when I saw one, first time I saw one here in town, I literally chased down the owner to get a better look at it. Fast forward to 2023. While the industry has changed in step with customer preferences, the LS Gen has changed too and is no less as impressive today than it was in 1989. This is topic A. Available now in both gasoline and hybrid versions, not to mention rear all-wheel drive configurations, the Lexus LS 500 sedan remains a tour de force to be reckoned with. The LS was never meant to be a volume leader, but it is a technology and performance leader with levels of comfort and luxury that well befit the flagship vehicle of a luxury automotive nameplate. This review is about the LS500 hybrid model. The LS500H is powered by a series parallel hybrid system that includes a 3.5 liter gasoline V6 engine, a permanent magnet electric motor that drives the rear wheels, and an 84 cell lithium ion battery pack. The hybrid system generates 354 horsepower. Torque is communicated through all four wheels via a multi-stage hybrid automatic transmission with manual mode and paddle shifters. EPA fuel economy is 22 city, 29 highway. Premium unleaded gasoline is required. Cargo capacity is 15.2 cubic feet. Low, long, and luxurious, the LS fundamental dynamic character is defined by the Lexus GA-L platform. Subtle tuning of the steering and braking controls help give it more poise and help elevate driver confidence. The LS provides a suspension with a bow spring and damper rates for impeccable damping performance. To help control vehicle body roll and turns, the diameters of the front and rear anti-roll bars are optimized. 
For added suppleness and enhanced handling stability, the adaptive variable suspension employs a revised linear solenoids and control valves designed to provide low damping force via their enlarged internal flow path. Here's what I liked about the vehicle. Even after 34 years, the LS sedan is still impressive, a fluid technology that is not hard to interact with. Eco comfort, normal custom, sport and sport plus driving modes, the driver has the ability to adjust the LS500H to a wide range of performance personalities. When underway with the hybrid, you're going to want to engage the Sport Plus driving mode. As its most aggressive setting, the Sport Plus driving mode turns the big Lexus into a performance sedan that is very fast and surprisingly responsive for its size. This vehicle is a joy to drive at any speed. Inside the passenger cabin is a study in effortless luxury. Displays, controls, and switchgear are easy to read and use, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find and adjust the driver's personal settings, unlike some vehicles I have driven in the past from other automakers. As you might expect, driver and passengers are coddled and spoiled. The low step in height is complemented by a wide door openings front and rear that facilitates entry and exit from the car. The rear seat is a limo experience for two passengers, although five can fit in a pinch. The seats have a partial recline capability with leg and foot support. The rear seat armrest is a control center for a variety of comfort and audio settings that are sure to delight. The front seats are nearly as comfortable. Well, okay, they don't have the leg and foot support. Side and rear window sunscreens minimize the impact of the sun on hot days. And if that's not enough, cool tech that you're going to enjoy in the LS500H includes Advanced Park, which assists the operations necessary for hands-free parking by automatically controlling steering, acceleration, braking, and gear changes when parallel parking or backing into a parking space. Using 360-degree sensing, which integrates the function of complete circumference cameras and ultrasonic sensors, the system also provides a bird's-eye view display to allow the driver to check the vehicle's position relative to any obstacles during advanced park operation. The 2023 LS also embraces continuous improvement with the introduction of a new state-of-the-art Lexus interface multimedia system with a 12.3-inch touchscreen display. Lexus Interface Multimedia System Connected Services present a re-envisioned user experience. The system features the latest display featuring higher resolution smartphone-like anti-glare technology. Users can interact with the system through intuitive touch and voice activation controls. The LS500H comes standard with Dunlop SP Sport Max 24550RF19 run-flat tires. As a result, there's no compact spare available. Here's what I didn't like about the vehicle. The placement of the lithium battery pack limits the cargo area size and usefulness. And despite all this opulence, it seems to be a whole lot of car for just four occupants. But hey, personal space is luxurious, right? Think commercial aircraft. And while I understand the move to reuse run-flat tires, I would have appreciated a more aggressive tread pattern so that I could enjoy the LS500H year-round. Surprisingly enough, there was no wireless cell phone charger available and there were only three mini USB ports, but only one regular-sized USB port. Come on, Lexus. Not everybody has an iPhone. So here's the bottom line. Although it doesn't sell in the numbers like it used to, the Lexus LS sedan can still wow a crowd when it makes an entrance. With the news of recent trends, it may suggest a small but noticeable bump in new passenger car sales. Perhaps more drivers might rediscover the LS500. And what a joy that will be.
The manufacturer suggests a retail price for the 2023 Lexus LS500H all-wheel drive sedan starts from 11, I'm sorry, $113,935. Catch your breath. Destination charges add $1,150. Here's the MSRP is tested. I test drove the 2023 Lexus LS 500H all-wheel drive. And for the record, all the hybrid LSs are all-wheel drive. And here it came with the following options. 19-inch 10-spoke alloy wheels, door edge guards, rear bumper protection, illuminated door sills, and dash camera. Total cost of the options came to $1,075. Total MSRP, including options and destination charges, came to $114,090. I enjoyed driving this car. It's interesting to note that at its peak over these 34 years, Lexus at one year, and I think it was 2007, may have sold as many as 42,000 LS sedans. Last year, unfortunately, it was barely 3,200. But I'm telling you, This vehicle, even after all that, is no slouch. Lexus kept spending the money, and when they say discover amazing, you need yourself a ride in one of these, particularly in Sport Plus. You're going to like it. And if you don't get comfortable in this car, let me just be blunt with you. There is no other vehicle you could possibly ever get comfortable in. Did I mention the driver's seat is 28 different adjustments? Just thought I'd put that out there for you. The answer is in the sewage. This is the Tech Mobility Show. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, Find us in the news and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Welcome to AONmeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to aonmeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's aonmeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial. If you're just joining us, this is the Tech Mobility Show, formerly known as Roadworthy Drive. When it comes to wastewater, it's out of sight, out of mind for most people once it hits the drain. Can scientists and health professionals learn anything from this dream, much less identify health threats to the population? That's a question. This is topic B. Every now and then, my listeners know that I go into the weeds. And for if you'll pardon the, the, the reference, you guess we're going to go into the sewer on this one. Or, if you will, the gutter, if you want to go that far. But yeah, with the advent of COVID and with the advent of trying to track what's going on in the world relative to public health, one one outfit in Virginia 
actually predated the CDC by doing something what they call wastewater surveillance. The concern that was on the table was they wanted to try to get a handle on real-time general populist things relative to the spread and severity of COVID. And, and, I, and I don't mean to be vulgar here, but, you know, people's hygiene habits refer a lot. You can refer a lot. You can learn a lot in wastewater. And they like to basically pull the samples in the morning, you know, when people get up in the morning and do their thing and go about their business because it gives the best indication of condition. Where this is happening, where one of the first places it was happening, is what they call the Hampton Road Sanitation District, and that's out of Virginia Beach. And they actually started their wastewater surveillance program uh, long before the CDC even recommended it because they wanted to find out what was going on with COVID and see that if they could add that information to their arsenal, what they already knew elsewhere, and to see how it tracked. The Hamptons Roads Sanitation District, that operation, I believe, covers five plants and processes waste for 20% of the entire population of the state of Virginia. That is a lot. They wanted to track the concentration of viruses, bacteria, and effective diseases in sewage to watch for infectious disease outbreaks. Here we are in the world where you're looking at different ways of trying to get honest, accurate, and timely information to warn the populace, if not try to protect them and find out what's going on in real time. And I guess it says that your waste doesn't lie. Wastewater data is a useful complement to traditional metrics of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, health experts say. The data doesn't depend on people seeking out testing or labs or reporting results, which could be skewed if people who are sensitive do, but the most populist doesn't. And, you know, this gives a more accurate, more broad implication. Technology. It relies on people's daily habits. And the fact that people carrying the virus and are talking about COVID in this case uh, will shed it, pardon me, when they poop. It identifies broad trends quickly and can be used to test for other pathogens like flu, polio, mpox, and antibiotic-resistant bacteria, which in some hospitals in recent years has become a thing. Also, I think, and they've done this also for illicit drugs in the water. And it was some concern in recent years that fentanyl and some of these other horrific drugs were getting in the water and the waste treatment facilities didn't have the ability to filter them out. And they were concerned that releasing this stuff untreated into the waters could cause other problems that they were not aware of. So it's a way to track what's going on. So how does, how does sewage from a treatment plant end up as a data point on a COVID dashboard. In the case of Hampton Road Sanitation District, believe it or not, it takes two days and the labor of many people. And it starts with a sample gathered early in the day. That's where it starts. And they pull it and they do a lot of interesting things for it. They take a sample. Once it's bottled, it's chilled, ill, in a cooler of ice to keep it fresh for the 20-minute drive to the labs at the sewage utilities headquarters. What they tell you is as this stuff gets into the system, it already starts breaking down long before they treat it. 
So to keep this from breaking down more and keeping what they're trying to get, which when they get to it is, you know, the COVID virus in the water, in the wastewater. It's a ritual that the team has conducted every week for the past three years. And not at this one plant. And I'm sorry, I said five earlier. It's actually eight total that they manage, covering 5,000 square miles in Southeast Virginia. When they started it, of course, it was a lot of trial and error. But now they've got their process dialed in. They know what to do. When it gets to the surge utility headquarters, the sample passes through three adjacent laboratories and several staff to get the virus filtered out of the sewage water, cleaned, and then counted. And the first step is to pass the liquid from the bottle through a paper filter, which helps separate the virus from the sludge in the water. And here's something that I would not have imagined. One of the staff scientists adds acid to the sample to positively charge the virus particles so they're more likely to stick to the negatively charged filter. Adding acid. I don't know. Uh, that's got me too. This just takes a few minutes. The sample's gone from a one liter bottle of liquid to small paper filter about the width of an Oreo cookie. Then it gets st- stuck in a test tube. And that filter gets bathed in chemicals to release the viral RNA from the cells in the sample and to wash away the poop and other stuff that is not. By the time they get this down to where they want to, they will have it um, in a lot of copies. Now, they're trying to clean up everything but the targets they're looking for, which in this case is COVID. Then they add a fluorescent dye to the sample, which glows when it attaches to the COVID virus. That's pretty cool. Then they take a bit of the treated liquid after all of this acid and fluorescent dye, about the size of a raindrop, and breaks it down into many smaller droplets. And then it's the ratio. The droplets that have COVID in them versus those that don't. And that will serve as the basis for figuring out how much virus is in the total sample. Then they drop it, put the droplets into a machine that makes copies of the virus's genetic code through 40 cycles of heating and cooling, heating and cooling, so the levels will be high enough to measure. That seems like a whole lot of work to track COVID, don't it? But this is what they're doing. And they've been doing it for three years. And they said that in Virginia Beach, it takes processing a single sample that started in a morning two days ago. It would take two days and multiple skilled workers. Now, not every municipal uh, wastewater plant is doing this. Most, in fact, may be sending it to their state health departments and some even the CDC or elsewhere for federal contractors to process. And this is not required, by the way. This is completely voluntary. But the CDC says that nationally, wastewater surveillance programs that they coordinate covers about 40% of the U.S. uh, population. 40%. Can you imagine with technology going the way it is, and you've seen some of the sci-fi movies that actually analyzes your outgo in the bathroom? before it even gets into the surge treatment plant. Those days are coming, and this is just a start. Can you imagine the possibility of real-time medical diagnosis based on a sample that you give in the morning automatically? Hmm. 
It's time for some news from normal. Illinois, that is. Rivian News is next. We are the Tech Mobility Show. Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us. Believe it or not, the Tech Mobility Show has a website. Yep. Combined with all the other ways you can interact with us, our website is a great place to start. Learn more about the host, find us in the news, and even check out where you can hear our programs across the country on the radio. I know, right? Our website is a great place to learn more about us and our programming. Go to techmobility.show for more information. Rivian Automotive. You may not be familiar with the name, but know that they have EVs on the highways and byways of America right now. In fact, that electric Amazon delivery van bringing you the latest goodies from the online retailer may have just been manufactured by Rivian in its normal Illinois manufacturing plant. We've talked a lot about Tesla and we've talked about some other automakers, but I really haven't talked about Rivian in any meaningful way. If you follow my Facebook page, The Tech Mobility Show, uh, you might see that I've actually seen a Rivian SUV and took pictures of it, which is pretty cool because from my knowledge, there's probably less than a thousand of those on the road right now. But those numbers will increase in the months to come. So before I even bring you up to date on what Rivian is doing now, let me take you back a little bit and introduce you to who Rivian is. Rivian Automotive Incorporated is an American electric vehicle manufacturer and automotive technology company that was actually founded in 2009. Bet you didn't know that. Rivian is currently building an electric sport utility vehicle and a pickup truck on what they call a skateboard platform. Like most automakers, that is the industry standard these days. That can support future vehicles or be adopted by other companies. Rivian beat everybody to market in 2021 when they started deliveries of their R1T pickup truck. 
They're also in the process, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes, of building out an exclusive charging network in the United States and Canada by the end of this year. Rivion is based currently in Irvine, California, with its manufacturing plant in Normal, Illinois, and other facilities in Palo Alto, California, Carson, California, Plymouth, Michigan, Vancouver, British Columbia, Whitman, Arizona, and Woking, England. And we've announced here on this program months ago that Rivion also has plans and has announced to build a $5 billion factory and supporting battery plant in Georgia. I'm sure Kia will op- welcome them with open arms going to Georgia. A lot of different companies have invested hard, real, big money in Rivion. Ford Motor Company has got almost a billion dollars in Rivion. Amazon has almost a uh, billion dollars, well, at least $700 million in Rivion. And here's a fun fact. Amazon has contracted with Rivion to build them 100,000 EV delivery vans. And those should start hitting the streets here pretty soon, if they're not on the road already. Fun fact, did you realize that Rivion's first vehicle that they were trying to develop was going to be a sports car? And it took them a couple rounds of rethinking to reinvent themselves. They went from there to they thought they would uh, build autonomous vehicles and tried to build like robo taxis and stuff. And then finally, they decided to get with the program and go where the industry was going. And by 2016, they were negotiating to buy the manufacturing plant uh, that was shuttered by Mitsubishi Motors in Normal, which Another fun fact was originally a joint venture with Chrysler that opened in 1989, if you didn't already know. They bought that plant and what was in it for $16 million, and it became Rivion's primary North American manufacturing facility. It saved them billions because that plant wasn't that old, at least in the automotive business. It was less than 30 years old. Rivion's claim to fame for their truck, for their R1T, was they took a different look at how the placement and the usage of electric motors. Their top-end, over-the-top performance R1T has electric motors in every wheel, all four wheels. Gives them tremendous thing where you can operate a wheel independent of another one, plus it gives them crazy torque, crazy towing ability, just crazy performance. That was a claim to frame. Totally, totally awesome. I'm full of fun facts. Here's another one. As of the end of 2021, Rivion had over 9,000 employees globally in their employee. And like I said earlier, they were the first ones to bring an EV pickup truck to market. That's before Tesla, GM, Ford, or Stellantis. Anybody. They did it. And I've seen some of these. Pretty cool. So what's going on? Well, lately, um, fall of last year, we reported on this too, uh, they signed a memorandum of understanding with Mercedes-Benz to establish a joint venture to invest in and operate a factory in Europe producing large commercial electric vans starting in a few years. That was the plan. 
didn't work according to plan. I think that particular plan got shelved, and that might be due to inflation, but they still plan to do something with Mercedes in the future. And when they announced it, I said, why? Mercedes has got years and years and years and years, and they also got their own EV stuff, but they're going to EV vans. Match Rivian's knowledge with what they've learned for building vans with Amazon, with Mercedes' plan and knowledge of the industry and their ability to build to scale. Could be something. Whether or not this particular project ever sees any products coming to the United States, open question. But we'll see how that goes. Let me read a little bit more about the truck, and I'll bring you up to date about what they're doing now. It was designed to be capable off-road, and both the SUV and the pickup has 14 inches of ground clearance. Their over-the-top truck claimed in early testing to be able to go 0 to 60 in less than 3 seconds. That is like a Tesla Model S Plaid. I mean, you're crazy. Anything under 3 seconds, anybody's vehicle is nuts crazy. It's also designed to wade through almost, well, a little over 3.5 feet of water, climb a 45-degree incline, and unlike some competitors, each wheel... Remember, motor in each wheel can be operated interdependently. The most expensive models of the R1T will get 450 miles on a charge and feature an 800 horsepower electric motor. They said this will be a number of Italian supercars. Rivian. And like I said, they're building vehicles right now. So with that background, let me bring you up to what's going on. Supply chain. Oh, yeah. Supply chain issues. Hit them, too. Uh, their over-the-top performance engine was made by Bosk, and they were having trouble getting the particular computer chips that go into those engines. So what did Rivion do? Change of plans. They took the Enduro EV engine that they're putting in the Amazon uh, EVs, uh, vans, and they're applying them now to their R1T and R1S SUV and pickup trucks. Guess what? Lower cost, more availability, and it uses a different chip. So it means that they're not going to be backlogged like they were, which beat up on their stock price. Happy coincidence. Make more money, get it in-house, and be able to ramp it up. Also, their unique charging platform, they're going to open it up to everybody. Awesome. We've come to the end of our program for this week. Be sure to join us again next time. This has been the Tech Mobility Show. The Tech Mobility Show is a copywritten production of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Tech Mobility Productions Incorporated. Welcome to AONMeetings.com, your next video conferencing and webinar platform. Host your next virtual meeting or your paid webinar with registration and secure file sharing, break rooms, classrooms, and much more. With over five levels of security to know that your data is safe and secure and 100% browser-based, keep in touch with family and friends using the newest meeting platform. Go to AONMeetings.com to start your free seven-day trial. That's AONMeetings.com to start your seven-day free trial.
Did you know that you could still listen to past shows of Roadworthy Drive? Ken Chester here. With the change to the Tech Mobility Show, we've taken steps to maintain our vast library of past shows for your listening pleasure. Whether you want to listen to 1, 10, or 50 of our 1,000 shows, we got you covered. Be sure to visit roadworthydrive.buzzsprout.com or roadworthydrivemoment.buzzsprout.com and subscribe. There's no recurring commitment and you can opt out at any time. We set the price super low so that access to the shows is easy and carefree. Thank you so much for your support. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is now the Tech Mobility Show. I'm Ken Chester, your host. Every week, I delve into the current trends and topics that impact you when it comes to mobility and technology. Things are changing fast, and I cover these topics in a way that's easy to understand. By tuning into the Tech Mobility Show, you can keep informed about the latest happenings with self-driving vehicles, auto finance, electric airplanes, and more. That's the Tech Mobility Show, heard each week on this very fine radio station. days, everybody wants to be social, and we're no exception. Hi, I'm Ken Chester, host of the Tech Mobility Show. We get to share additional content that you won't find on the show. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok. Yeah, we're there. You can find us at Tech Mobility Pod on Twitter and at the Tech Mobility Show everywhere else. Check us out. Be sure to follow us.